Tony woke up as daylight broke through the trees. His head throbbed and the forest was way too loud for this feeling. He could hear the sounds of nature as the forest came to life. Problem was, Tony had no idea just how he got there. He reached deep into his memory for his last conscious moment the last night. He was in the poker room at Ray's Boom Boom Room. He was sitting on a pair of gentlemen and had moved all in. Faintly, he believes he recalls two more gentlemen on the flop. That part was fuzzy. Why was it fuzzy? Tony was drinking water last night, the same as he had been drinking for the last two years. Unconsciously, he touched the two-year coin in his pocket. Mentally, he begins to inventory himself. His marathon diver's watch is gone. Wallet and car keys are also gone. His phone is lying a few feet away from him, smashed. The only thing in his pockets is the two-year coin, and it will not be of any use to him here. And where the hell is here? He's sitting beneath this oak tree in a small wooded clearing. He scans the edges of the clearing in search of a trail or any clue at any direction he was brought in. Tony can feel his heart beginning to race as he struggles to calm himself and break the cloudy feeling in his head. He must have been drugged. It had been two years, two months, and 11 days since his last drink, but he still remembers his feeling. However he got here, the signs of how and from which direction seem to have been erased. He decides to walk in one direction. Wasn't that the survival tip? He decides on west. At least in this direction, the bright sun will be at his back, and that will be easier on his aching eyes. One more deep breath, and he steps out of the clearing and into the forest. The woods grow quiet around him as he trods through the brush. As Tony walks on, he continues to scan the forest floor for any signs of footsteps, a path, any sign of life. His head is pounding, and he craves water. Whatever he was given has taken a toll, and he's already feeling dehydrated. An hour later, Tony stops by a fallen tree. He needs a break. His head still hurts. He is still thirsty, and now he has something in his shoe. He sits on the log again unconsciously, rubbing the two-year chip in his pocket. Carefully, he removes his shoe to empty the twig from it. Along with the twig, a piece of paper falls from his shoe, fluttering to the ground. He drops his shoe and grabs the paper from the forest floor. It is a torn corner of a heavyweight linen stock. We are watching. Immediately, Tony stands, turning circles, straining in vain to see through the trees for any sign of life. With an unease settling over himself, he sits back on the tree and cleans the leaves from his sock and puts his shoe back on. He begins walking again. Now he can feel the forest watching him. His steps are deliberate and he continues to scan the trees for life. Two hours later, Tony is worn and covered with sweat. The thick canopy of trees makes the forest cooler, but there is no escaping the fact that it is still mid-August in Florida. As he comes over a hilltop, he sees a bright white below a tree. About 30 yards ahead, he quickens his pace, almost to a run, and falls halfway down the hill. Stupid. Slow down, idiot. You have to survive. He stands and brushes himself off, once more with his hands on the pocket, and he fingers the outline of the two-year chip. He now has a few scratches on his elbows and a wet sting on his shin. Still, he moves forward to the sign. It is another piece of paper. Still heavyweight linen like in his shoe. Definitely for him. 
It is untouched by nature. Still only three words scrawled on it. Just give up. As his head falls into feet, his eyes land on the water bottle at the base of the tree. It is only half full, but Tony's dry throat will take what it can get. He twists the cap and turns the bottle up and immediately vomits. Vinegar. On his hands and knees, his stomach heaves what little remained. His dehydration is now in a dire state. His eyes burn, his stomach lurches until in sheer exhaustion he passes out. When Tony wakes up, he knows it's been several hours. He needs to find a way out of these woods before dark. The insects get worse in the night out here. He stands and is instantly aware of every stiff muscle. The morning hike and dehydration have not been kind to his sore joints. He stretches, touches the pocket of his right pants, and looks at the tree. There is another note. They were here, right under his nose while he slept. He reaches up and removes the paper, panic in his heart rising. You're going the wrong way. If there was anything left in his stomach to vomit, it would have come up right then. Tony knew he has to walk at least three hours west. He also knew he had less than three hours of daylight left based on where the sun hung in the sky. Dejected, he turned to head back east, took one step and stopped. Fingering the chip in his pocket, he recalled the vinegar. They weren't watching to help. If they were trying to turn him back east, then west was indeed the correct way. As Tony resolved to continue on the path he originally chose, he tried his best to make a fast pace. His stiff joints made it impossible to maintain his pace from earlier this morning. His now bloodshot eyes strained to see through all the trees. Still searching for life, he tries to slow his heart into a steady rhythm. He listens for footsteps anywhere near him. The walk would be easier along a flat trail, but this part of the forest is a series of hills, not mountains, merely the rolling foothills of the Appalachian Trail. Tony had always wanted to try his hand at hiking that trail. He was quickly losing interest in hiking in the woods for leisure. He continued forward down one hill, up the other, touched the coin in his pocket, down another hill. An hour later, the sun hanging low in the August sky and the forest already beginning to fall into darkness. Tony's steps now have to be more deliberate, to keep from tripping. As he tops the next hill, he sees the best thing he's seen all day. Halfway up the next hill, he sees a spring running into a small creek and running south. Tony collapses into the mouth of the spring, the cold water shocking his burned face and cracked lips. He gulps cold water down, vomits, gulps more water down. As he sits for a moment, allowing the spring water to bring life back to his aching muscles, he has flashes of a memory. He is back in the poker room at Ray's. He's holding pocket jacks, the fop throws, the other two jacks, and an ace. The high roller across the table starts the bet at a thousand. Tony considers it for a moment, an effort to not seem so eager, and calls. Two others fold, and it is Tony and the high roller. The turn card is a seven of diamonds, and the high roller bets four thousand. Tony calls. The river shows a three of hearts, and the high roller moves fourteen thousand into the center of the pot. Tony knows he has played the hand perfectly, and he nudges his stack forward. 
Instinctively, he pulls the two-year chip from his pocket and twirls it across his knuckles. The high roller tells him to drop the chip. Tony holds it up. Just a sobriety coin. It has no value. The high roller stares back at him and smiles, pushing a thousand more chips toward the pot. It does now. Are you really all in, or do you just like to talk? The entire table is now quiet, watching the showdown for sobriety. So you want my sobriety coin? Stop drinking, go to the meeting, they'll give you one. You don't get it, boy. This hand, here and now. You lose, I get that coin, you start over at day one. Tony knew he had already won, but some stakes are bigger than money, and he considered for a moment folding. He sat back in his chair for a moment and reflected. Not on his cards, but the last seven years, five of which he had spent lost in a bottle of Lord Calvert. He thought of the taillights of his wife's car and the little girl staring out the back glass as they drove away. And his left hand reached for the cards to fold, then stopped. One last look at the chip, and he tossed it into the stack of chips. Call. The high roller flipped his cards, pocket aces. Aces full of jacks. Tony shrugged and tossed the two jacks on top of the jacks laying face up on the table. The room erupted, then went black. Tony is pulled from his memory at the sound of an approaching motor. It's not a car. It sounds a lot like a four-wheeler. It is approaching from the other side of the hill. In the moment, Tony decides to tempt fate. He reaches in his pocket, pulls the chip out, grips it tightly, and lays back like he's asleep. With his eyes closed, he can hear the ATV as it comes to a stop. It sounds like at the top of the hill. He hears the rider whispering, probably on the radio. Looks like he's passed out again. He hears the radio call back. Leave the note right under him. He recognized the voice. It belonged to the high roller. It continued. Leave the note and climb a tree. When he wakes and reads it, shoot him. This almost put Tony on his feet. Instead, he steadied his breathing and lay still. He felt the hand wrap around his wrist and lift it. Then it was laid back down on top of another sheet of heavy weight linen paper. At this point, Tony opened his eyes and kicked his feet out, knocking his visitor from his feet. As he went down, Tony scrambled to his own feet. He could see the shock in the visitor's eyes. Tony's first move was to stomp down on the nose. His aim was true and the force was perfect. His visitor was out. Tony looked over at the note, one word only, bang. This reminded Tony there was a weapon somewhere. He went back to his visitor and checked his waistband. There it was. He retrieved it and the radio. That may come in handy finding his way out of here. He headed up the hill to find the four-wheeler. When Tony sat down on the ATV, he felt every bit of the day he was leaving behind. As hard as he could focus, he couldn't stop the tears. His thumb ran over his coin, and he felt rage. He climbed off the ATV and walked back down the hill. He laid the two-year coin on a rock beside the spring where they would be sure to find it when they came to get his sleeping visitor. He then turned, walked back to the ATV, and out of this nightmare.